I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. Well, it's been a couple of weeks. I'm sorry that things have been so sporadic lately. It's been kind of crazy. Um, we were dealing with Hurricane Laura coming through our area, and I had my wife and all three of my dogs in the truck. So there was very little sleeping and there was very little room and very little time. And it was nice. I did get to spend some time with my wife that I usually don't get to spend with her. So that was distracting and uh, I quite enjoyed that. But we came out virtually unscathed that we, um, our, our home was without electricity for around seven days and uh, we lost a good portion of the roof of our barn. But other than that, a few tree limbs, and that was about it. So wasn't too bad. Everybody's okay. Everybody's safe. Uh, some of my family in the Lake Charles area got it much worse than I did. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm actually going to start looking to see if I can get uh, get on with a, a contractor or a crew down in Lake Charles to help with the rebuilding, get out of this truck, be home more often, uh, put out some more podcasts, uh, given I have my evenings free and um, things of that nature. So we are going to be looking to make some adjustments to our lifestyle so that I am home more and... Uh, that will result in more podcasts. And, uh, you know, I know you are all so excited to hear from me more often. So that may be happening. I have some feelers out. Um, and hey, if y'all know of anybody who's looking to hire, you know, in, uh, in that region, helping out, um, let me know. Tommy Salmons at gmail.com. Just shoot me an email and I will reach out and I will see what I can do uh, as far as making some changes. But other than that, everything else is fine since the last time I spoke to you, which we were speaking about. Oh, it was MK Ultra in the Digital Age, which was a really fun podcast to do. I really enjoyed doing that. And I got a lot of uh, good feedback on that. So I'm glad y'all enjoyed that. And I plan on doing some more. Um, history on the CIA and um, the the people that were involved in the CIA. I'm reading a book right now on James Jesus Angleton called The Ghost. So um, he's he's one of the guys I want to talk about. I want to get into Sidney Gottlieb and, and some of these other guys. But today I want to I'm going to talk about some like current events. I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that's been going on, um, some stuff that we've been seeing on social media. Um, I've I've been catching up the last couple of days since uh, my wife is back home. Um, I didn't know a fucking thing as was going on last week. I didn't know. I didn't care. And um, why should I? Um, but let's uh, let's dig into some of this fucking protest bullshit. Some of these deaths. What's going on with the George Floyd case? Yada 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 yada. Um, so. There was a, a man shot in Kenosha. Jacob Blake, I think his name was, shot in the back seven times, paralyzed, um, and a warrant out for sexual assault. And um, cops showed up to a house that he was at during a domestic dispute. Tacked took him to the ground he wrestled his way out of custody out of being detained and walked around the front of his car where his three children were sitting opened the driver's side door I don't know you couldn't really tell if he was getting something out of the car or getting in the car I, I don't I don't know I, I, I don't I can't tell you I don't know what the cops saw um, 
these particular officers, this particular unit that responded to this call do not wear body cams. So there's not body cam footage. At least that's what I've, I understand. There are two different angles, um, one from one side of the car, one from the other. Uh, but they're both at such a distance, you can't really see much of anything. People are trying to say he had a knife in his hand. It's hard to tell if that was a knife. I've, just to be honest, the issue I have is he was shot in the back. If he would have been aggressing against the cops, if he would have turned on the cops, um, I think I... And, and he had a knife. I, you know, shoot the guy. I mean, you're defending yourself. See, the way I look at it, okay, and here, let me just make this perfectly clear. The way I look at it is that the police officer does not have any more right to defend their life than you have to defend your life. So if you would get away with that shooting, then the officer has the right to, sh to shoot, Right. If you would not get away with that shooting, the officer has no right to shoot. I've said this several times before. I put 600 miles on the road every day. In that time, if something happens and I'm in an accident, I'm held to a higher account, a higher responsibility than other drivers on the road because I have training and I know what I'm doing. I know how to operate this vehicle. I spend more time driving than other drivers I'm expected to be a professional and and have a better understanding of control of a vehicle an officer's job consists of using a firearm as a tool they should have more experience and more mental discipline than the average person when it comes to discharging that firearm they should be under higher amount of scrutiny than your average citizen. As it stands right now, they have lower scrutiny. That is the major issue. Now, people say qualified immunity is a major issue. Qualified immunity is a major issue. But if you ask me, just getting rid of qualified immunity doesn't solve the problem because you have the thin blue line. So now you'll have less You'll be less likely to have people, quote unquote, cross that thin blue line because they know that they could be the next one to be sued. All right. So to get rid of this, this culture of us versus them that the police hold in their mind, that we are insurgents that we are terrorists, that we are enemy combatants. And I'm not exaggerating. I've heard cops say this. Cops that have retired, that spent 30 years on the force. I've heard them say it. When you're engaging a, an enemy combatant, yada, yada, yada. I'm not your enemy. Your job is supposed to be. Now, we can go over the court cases, uh, Warren versus D.C., yada, 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 and, and talk about why this isn't the case. But their job is supposed to be serve and protect the public, not serve and protect the politicians. Not serve and protect the state. Right? But the way they do their job is taken directly out of the social contract by Russo. That you have given up your individual rights to the state to determine your rights. Well, I never gave up my individual rights. I was never given the option to not give them up. So I didn't give up my individual rights. They were taken from me. They were robbed of me. And so, so by... It, through that logic, by protecting the state in the state's dictates, then the officer is therefore protecting the general welfare, which is a crock of horseshit. Okay. 
just letting you know, that's where I'm coming from. If I do not have the right to fire upon a person, they do not have the right to fire upon a person because they are just people. They should actually have a higher level of proof before they fire on somebody than I do because they have more training. And that is their job. So, so should the guy have been shot in the back? I do not believe that that is the way to go about it. I don't believe I would have gotten away with it. If I would have shot the guy in the back, it prob- I probably would be in prison. That's my problem with it. Otherwise, like, if he had a weapon, I mean, and he was going to attack the cops with that weapon... And they had a clear view of that weapon, that he was grabbing that weapon to turn on them, then, I mean, yeah, they should have shot him. And if they shot him in the back because they saw him grabbing a weapon, then yes, it was justified. You know? But just by the video, I can't tell that. That's not something I can tell. And I know there's the picture and it shows something in his hand. Are those keys? People say it's a knife. Could be. Could be keys. I don't you can't see it. You can't it's not clear. It's blurry. It's from a distance. You zoom in. You can't tell what it is. Fine. But if and maybe why the cops should have had body cams on, even that you know, that and maybe they should consider that that unit that doesn't have to wear body cams should possibly be forced to wear body cams. Now, I heard a, a defense attorney say, look, if if this guy actually had a weapon of some sort and they found a weapon, why didn't they come out that evening and have a press conference with a plastic bag with the weapon in it? Why didn't, Why haven't we seen the weapon? Where is this weapon? Instead, they just let their city burn and riot. So so let's say he did have a weapon. Either way, the fucking cops are fucking, God damn it, they're, they're fucking stupid. They're not acting as they should, right? Whether they killed the guy by shooting him in the back unarmed or he was armed and they didn't come out and say, look, this is why he got shot. This is the weapon he had. This is what's going on. They allowed the riots to happen. So one way or the other, cops are responsible for what's going on in Kenosha, right? And so you got to – and it boils down – I understand it goes up to the top. It's not your rank-and-file cops making these types of decisions. But somebody's got to step out and say, look, man, here are the pictures. Here's what was going on. Here's the crime scene. Boom. Done. Take care of it. Right? So, again, if he was going into his car to get a weapon and they saw that clearly, they had every right to shoot the guy. Right? But why didn't they show us the weapon and say that they could have put an end to all this? They could have they could have stopped, put a stop to this before it even got out of hand. They could have stopped this before the Kyle Rittenhouse shooting. Had they come out and shown a weapon, this was what was in the guy. This was what the guy was going for. When you see him lean into the car, this is what he's grabbing. Plastic baggie with the weapon in it. Real easy, real simple. But either way, they're showing incompetence. Whether they, number one, four cops were unable to hold one guy down, and the guy wasn't that big. I guarantee you, with the minimal training I got in jujitsu from the military in 2001, I could have held the guy down. He wasn't that big. 
So they're training in detaining a suspect is inadequate. Nobody grabbed his legs. Nobody controlled his, his upper body. You got to know where the, where the strong, strong points are. No one had his, him in the midsection. It looked like somebody had him in a headlock at one time. It's easy to get out of a headlock. So that was their first, you know, fucking point of incompetence was un, in, unable to, to detain the suspect. With four guys, two of them just standing there watching. They still stood there and watched as he got up and walked around the car. They didn't make an affirmative motion towards him to stop him. He just, and he casually walked. He didn't run around the front of the car. He just casually walked around the front of the car and leaned in. And then he was shot in the back. Okay, so first point of incompetence was having four cops that couldn't do their fucking job. The second point of incompetence was when he got up, the two cops watching the spectators not acting. Third point of incompetence, he walked around the front of the car and the cops walked even slower. You're telling me that this guy walking around the front of the car was too much for you to handle? And then on top of that, if there was a weapon, which a lot of people are claiming there was, they didn't come out and show it. They didn't come out knowing all the, all the shit that's going on out there. They didn't come out and say, look, I understand what the, the pulse of the country is right now. We have to get out there ahead of this before people start accusing us of shooting a guy in the back for no fucking reason. They, they didn't even think of that. Didn't even consider it. I mean, it's total incompetence across the board as far as the police are concerned. No matter, like, whether the guy deserved to be shot or not, total incompetence. You got to be smarter than that. Right? Now, if he had a weapon, he had a weapon, he deserved to get shot. If he was going for a weapon, he deserved to get shot. Okay, fine. Perfect. I, I don't care. Like, I'm not even talking about the show. Just the entire process was a total shit show as far as the, the police officers are concerned. Just a total fucking shit show. Then we had the Kyle Rittenhouse shooting, which I've alluded to. Now, I've watched a lot of footage on this. I've listened to attorneys talk about this. I have tried to piece together by by listening to interviews with the journalists who were on the scene and here's what I can gather Kyle Rittenhouse in high school as a teenager had lived in Kenosha at least earlier in his teen years. He's still a teenager. He had lived in Kenosha. He'd gone to high school there in Kenosha before moving to Antioch, which is just across the Illinois border. It's about 30 minutes away. It's not far at all. It, uh, as a truck driver, I've been through these areas several times. Um, Kenosha's up near Milwaukee. And um, they're about, it's about, let me see, it's about an hour and a half hour, hour and a half from Chicago, Milwaukee is. It's not far. I think Kenosha, if I remember correctly, is just south of Milwaukee. It's been a while since I've been up there. Um, and Antioch is west of Chicago, directly south of Kenosha. 
Um, so it's a it's a basically it's a suburb of Milwaukee. It, it would be no different than if you're if you're familiar with the Houston area. It'd be no different than calling Conroe um, a suburb of Houston, which it basically is. So it it, it wasn't like he. They, the people want to make a big deal. He crossed state lines. All right. He worked in Kenosha. From what I understood, he did community service in Kenosha. He was, um, it looked like he was, a. from what I can gather, he was a, a, a junior cadet. He wanted to go into the military and join the police force. Um, but he had kind of a libertarian leaning to him, which was, I found kind of interesting about this story. It it it, it kind of gives it a kind of a different spin than what you're getting. Um, people want to get into his race. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even. I mean, what I know is he was given a, a ticket a few months back earlier this year, um, and on that ticket he's marked as Hispanic, and now that he's under arrest, he's marked as Caucasian. So he's one of those. Uh, Hispanic white supremacist, I guess. I don't know. Um, anyway, I think he. I think his mom's Hispanic. His dad's white. I, I think is what it is. So, I mean, there you go. If you really, if you care about that sort of thing, there's that. Um, have feel free to look into it more than I have because I just don't give a fuck about that. Um. So it looks like he was doing community service up there, and he had volunteered to join a group of other young men. Now, I don't know how old the rest of these young men were. He, he was young. He was 17. Um, and I would never advise my 17-year-old to go do anything like what this kid was doing um, because I just I, – I find my children's life much more precious – than um, the used car lot that he was protecting. But um, I do understand the, the inkling. If you identify with your community and you feel strongly about your community, um, that you want to, to help preserve your community. And so he had... There was an interview with him. I think it was done by Elijah Schaefer. And he had made a comment that he stood with Black Lives Matter. That he was like, um, it was either him or another. It might have been another guy. It was another guy. He just happened to be standing right there. Um, but anyway, he, he was saying that he sympathized and he stood with the protesters. That he actually... Um, was there not only to protect the private property, but to render medical aid to the protesters. And during this interview, there's a point where somebody calls for a medic and Kyle Rittenhouse runs in front of the camera with his medical kit to render aid to one of the protesters who had gotten injured. So that to me was an interesting aspect of this Kyle Rittenhouse story. And uh, from there, it looks like what happened was they were ran off of this particular property, which was a used car lot uh, by the police because there was a curfew in place for either seven or eight o'clock. Uh, that's, that's unclear as of yet that from what, from what I can tell, um, but the curfew wasn't being strictly enforced, but the cops just kind of came by and told them, y'all can't be here. Now, this was hours after the cops had come by and given them water. And um, so they, the kid kind of, he kind of straggles off and he goes and helps whoever it was that had the medical emergency or needed the assistance medically. And then... Uh, he comes back and joins the ranks of his, his fellows, and then they're kind of run off. 
um, the next footage you see, they're at a gas station. And some of these Black Lives Matter and Black Block Antifa types set a dumpster on fire and roll it at the gas station. Apparently trying to set the gas station on fire. That's how it appears. Not really sure what their intent was. They did, They weren't yelling, let's set the gas station on fire. But then there's a video that then Kyle himself runs over with a fire extinguisher and he puts the dumpster out. He puts out a dumpster fire. Sorry, I had to say that. Um, so, yeah, he, he comes out and he puts the fire out. And um, he puts out a dumpster fire and apparently starts another dumpster fire. Uh, just not literally. Um, so they got pissed off. And this is when you see the video of this Rosenbaum guy saying, just shoot me, nigga, just shoot me. And you're like, this guy's a fucking idiot. This guy's just a total fucking moron. For no reason whatsoever to go that route. Because this guy put a fire out. Because he was trying to keep people safe. So, uh, there's that. And then, there's another, then a little bit later... There's another video, another Elijah Schaefer video, and there he's standing on one side of this SUV. Whether it was uh, there's been dispute whether it was a Nissan or an Infinity, I don't know. It was a black SUV, and these guys are are breaking the windows of this SUV. And they open up the back door and they're going to set a fire in the SUV. On the other side of the SUV, Kyle and Rosenbaum are over there. Now, I think Kyle, what happened was Kyle approached these guys and say, hey, don't set a fire to this car, man. These people didn't do anything to you. Something of that nature was taking place on the other side of the SUV. There was a confrontation. Rosenbaum ends up chasing Kyle with a plastic bag that he had been carrying around all night that had something in it. Now, I don't know if it had a brick in it. Uh, It did appear to be heavy in some matter. I can't tell you what was in it. This is all speculation as far as what's in there. It appeared to have some weight behind it, though. He's chasing Kyle with it. He throws the bag at Kyle. He does not hit Kyle. It lands and it slides across the ground. So you know it's not just a plastic bag. There's something in it. Then somebody fires a gun into the air. One shot. Bam. Kyle wheels around and shoots Rosenbaum. As Rosenbaum, this is according to um, Richard McGinnis from the Daily Caller, Rosenbaum is attempting to grab Kyle's rifle. He couldn't tell from his angle if he had actually gotten a hand on it, but he's almost on top of Kyle. Like, they're together is his words as they come together. This is in the prosecutor's um, probable cause Scenario. As they come together, Rosenbaum being the pursuer, Kyle wheels around, and as they come together, Rosenbaum tries to grab the barrel of the gun. Kyle fires off four rounds, and then it sounds like he fired, he pauses momentarily and then fires off another three rounds. Rosenbaum was struck five times. <clears throat> it was, uh, it, it appears that it was a bullet. That went through his spleen, into his back, through his spleen, and his lung that actually was the kill shot. Um, He did take a shot to the head, but it looked like, from everything I've heard, it was a graze. Just grazed his temple. Um, He took another shot to the groin that shattered his pelvis. And then he took a shot to the hand. And then uh, I guess the other shots went wild. But there were seven shots. You hear 
four in rapid succession, then a pause, and then three more. But there were a lot of people with guns shooting this night. So it's hard to tell if they were all Kyle. What we do know is Kyle shot Rosenbaum five times. At this point, McGinnis of the Daily Caller and Kyle turned to give Rosenbaum aid. The crowd is gathering and as a mob, basically, coming after Kyle. So Kyle turns tail and he runs. So he's fleeing once again. He gets about half a block, three quarters of a block away. And a guy in a, a white, I, I think it was a wife beater, tank top looking shirt, runs up and chases him down. And it looks like he hits him. I can't tell if he hits him with with a weapon, with something in his hands, or if he just punches him. It's kind of blurry, and it happens pretty quick. He hits him. Kyle ends up falling. Another guy comes up and tries to jump kick while Kyle's on the ground. Jump kick Kyle in the head. Kyle fires around, and he misses this guy. This other dude, I can't remember his name. Uber, I think it was, Gary Uber or something like that, um, runs up on him and tries to hit Kyle with a skateboard. Looks like he catches Kyle in the left shoulder as he's reaching for Kyle's rifle to get barrel control of the rifle. Kyle fires a shot, strikes him in the heart. He stumbles back a couple of steps and he's dead. While the skateboard guy is attacking Kyle, another guy is running up on Kyle. When Kyle fires and shoots the skateboard guy, this guy pauses. This guy has a a pistol in his hand, and he thinks twice, and he kind of pauses, and then he's like, fuck it. And he goes after Kyle again. Kyle takes aim, fires, strikes the guy just above the elbow, tears his bicep up. He needs constructive surgery on his bicep. So after this, Kyle tries to turn himself in. The cops just tell him to go away. It appears he just goes home. And the next day, he receives a warrant notice. This is how it looks. Again, a lot of this is murky. The cops aren't being really forthcoming with the way that they did this. From what I understand, Kyle is still in Antioch, Illinois, in a jail in Antioch where he had turned himself in when he found out he had a warrant. And the prosecutor in Kenosha has filed six charges against Kyle. Here's where it gets kind of weird. All right. So the entire event that is taking place, it it appears to be self-defense. And even the way the prosecutor wrote the charges, it appears to be self-defense and that Kyle is going to be okay. The only problem becomes the sixth charge, okay? So Kyle is charged with with, uh, reckless murder, on two victims, so that's two charges. He's charged with reckless endangerment of Richard McGinnis, the writer for or editor for the or I don't know if he's a producer or editor for the Daily Caller, but he works for the Daily Caller. Um, he's charged with um, assault, reckless assault with a deadly weapon on the guy he shot in the arm, and he's also. Uh, And then the fifth charge would be reckless endangerment uh, with a deadly weapon with intent to harm on the guy who tried to kick him in the head and he shot at but missed. Okay, so those are the five charges. All those charges look to be specifically self-defense. And that even the way it's written, like by the prosecutor itself, looks to be self-defense. 
Problem being, if if you are defending yourself, it, and this is the was the way that the statute is written in Wisconsin, it says if you are de- defending yourself in the act of committing another crime, then it cannot be considered self-defense. The sixth charge is where Kyle might find a problem. They charged him with a minor illegally possessing a firearm in public. If they can twist that as to he committed, he was defending himself while in the commission of another crime, then it doesn't look good for Kyle. If the defense is is capable of arguing that he actually was not breaking any laws because there are exceptions to the minor in possession of a firearm, if they're able to successfully get that charge taken away, then it looks like a clear-cut case of self-defense. Now, this is obviously... I'm speaking specifically on the Wisconsin law here. I, I, it, it appears to me like Kyle, while I don't think he should have been there, and I don't think he should have been doing like doing what he was doing. I understand why, after being there, ending up in the situation he was in. Why he fought, felt it necessary to kill, like to, to fire upon these individuals, killing two, wounding one, right? So I'm, I'm kind of like, all right, like I don't think it was responsible for Kyle to have been there. Like I think if Kyle were gonna have been there in this situation, he should have been there with somebody who was not gonna leave his side at any point in time. That it was always like. You know, moving like in the military, you never go off by yourself. You're always accompanied by a fellow soldier. And I think that it would have been wise had Kyle and at least one other person worked out that they were always going to be together, never get separated. And that if that meant, you know, wandering away from the crowd together that they were going to wander away from the crowd together that they were going to like operate in a buddy system you know and i think that would have been the smartest thing if i mean the smartest thing would have been staying home if you're a 17 year old kid um you don't belong there in this situation but um given that he was going to be put in that situation, his mother dropped him off, uh, apparently knowing what he was going to be doing. Um, so, like, and he said, you know, in his words, I'm here to defend the private property um, and make sure that none of the business get hurt. But, but ultimately, it sounded like he was more interested in rendering aid to people that were injured, that he was there specifically as an EMT and that was his real real goal upon being there at least as he states it and that he brought the firearm because he knew he would have to go into dangerous situations to render aid to people that were injured so he brought the firearm for self-defense okay fine I completely get it um would I, you know, what it could have should have hindsight be in 2020? I could say all kinds of things about whether or not that was a, a good idea. I still don't think it was a good idea for a 17 year old to be there. Um, that's my personal opinion and just the way I look at it. That aside, he was there. Given the situation that he was put in, he did defend himself adequately. I think he did a good job of defending himself. He wasn't shooting recklessly into a crowd or anything like that. He, uh, other than 
three shots. I can't account for where they went. One, when he fired at the guy who kicked him, and then the, you know, uh, two that did not hit Rosenbaum. Um, it seems like he was pretty calculated in his firing, and he was pretty, um, pretty well trained on the usage of a firearm. And so uh, I'm not down on the kid about the way he handled himself in that situation. And if this, if, if they can get the, the charge for a minor in possession of a firearm dismissed um, or somehow show that he, it was not unlawful possession to a jury, then I think he'll be all right. But it all hinges on that one charge because that it, 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 it depends on whether the self-defense occurred during the commission of a crime or not. Right. And that's what it, that's what it appears that it's, it's, it's all hinging on that one factor. Okay. So then we have the case of Aaron Danielson in Portland. And it appears to have been executed for being a Trump supporter and a member of Patriot Prayer. Okay. Well, this is... The video here is strange. And you can go look it up for yourself. There's all kinds of already conspiracy theories floating around this. Aaron Danielson... Um, he goes by, he was going by the nickname or the, yeah, the nickname Jay. That was his middle name, Jay. Aaron J. Danielson. He went by Jay. And Chandler Pappas are walking from a Trump rally or a Patriot Prayer rally to their car. And they come around a corner. And as they come around this corner, there are two cars parked in the street. Don't know why the cars are parked in the street. Two cars, the brake lights shining, parked in the street. And a guy in white comes running up with somebody else in black. Yelling, we got another, we got a couple over here, we got a couple over here, pull it out. And that's really like the most you can kind of make out. And then you hear a pop, pop. And when that pop, pop happens, you see this cloud explode. Okay. So, as soon as that happens, a charger, a Dodge Charger, runs the red light and pulls up to the scene. And you have black block Antifa types jump out to render aid to um, Aaron Danielson. Uh, Chandler Pappas attempts to push one of them off. They're like, no, we're just here to help. He allows them to um, begin rendering aid. It's too late. Um, his, his friend is shot in the heart. He got shot twice, twice in the chest, one directly through the heart. He's dead. I mean, it's, it's over for this guy. Um, it appears to be a case of some Black Lives Matter activists. And the reason I call them Black Lives Matter activists is one of the guys, the shooter, had a Black Lives Matter tattoo on his neck. So you can call them whatever the fuck you want to call them. I'm going to call them Black Lives Matter activists. All right. So. These two Black Lives Matter activists, it appears, had been looking for for people leaving the Trump rally or the Patriot Prayer rally. And they found these two. From what Chandler Papa says, now I'm not saying this is true. I don't know. 
he hears somebody yelling, we got a couple over here, we got a couple over here, pull it out, and he turns around. As he turns around, he hears pop, pop. Now, he said his friend, Aaron, the guy who got shot, had already turned around. And that when they shot, it went through a can of bear mace and struck him in the heart. So the cloud you see and you hear cameramen going, I got I got mace in my eyes. I got mace in my eyes. Like all this is going on after the fact. So, you know, there was mace in the air. I don't know if if. Aaron Danielson got a blast of mace off before or as he was shot or if the bullet penetrated the can of bear mace he was holding and it just sprayed it all over. I don't know. There are people saying this is with self-defense. I call bullshit. You don't say we got a couple over here. We got a couple over here. Pull it out because you're defending yourself. That's that's not the way this works. Right? Now, apparently, and I can't, this is all just hearsay. There's video of this guy with the Black Lives Matter tattoo on his neck following Patriot Prayer and Trump supporters around all night long looking for trouble. Don't know. I can't tell you. I didn't see that footage. That's not what I saw. Apparently exists. Okay, fine. But this was clearly a politically motivated execution. That's that's what this was. That's what happened here. So where do I come down on all this shit? All right. Well, I kind of gave you my opinion of the the Jacob Blake thing. Like, I think if he if he if they clearly saw he was going for a weapon, he was he clearly had a weapon. Like, I, you know, like what are you gonna do? Would I have done something? Would I have acted any differently in that situation? I mean, that's kind of that's the way I look at all these situations. Okay. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Let's just talk about these police stories um, or these killings right now. If you if we want to talk about the protest, in my opinion, on the protest, we'll do that at another date. Um, we're running at. We're almost at an hour. Okay. Yeah, we're at almost 15 minutes. All right, 48 minutes. All right, so update on Derek Chauvin. One of the things I said when this happened was that this guy's going to get off. They were doing everything they could to make sure that George Floyd looked like he deserved to be killed. They were doing everything they could to make him look like a bad guy. Hey, I don't know. He didn't sound like a great guy. I wouldn't leave leave one of my kids. But beside the fact. So it appears that Derek Chauvin may get, well, they filed to get the charges dismissed. I don't know if they'll be dismissed. I'm pretty sure they're going to actually bring him to trial. But I stand by what I said. He's going to get off. Derek Chauvin is not going to serve any time for the death of George Floyd. He just won't. They're trying to get him on second degree murder, uh, third degree manslaughter, and something else. And it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I'll tell you why it's not going to happen. Shortly after George Floyd was pronounced dead, the coroner in Minneapolis. Now, I'm not saying I think this is truthful. I'm not saying I think they're being honest. But they came out and stated that it was a fentanyl overdose. Now, if you believe what a state coroner says... I guess you believe that Epstein killed himself. 
that's not me. Because there was a third party that came in and showed that George Floyd died of asphyxiation. And the way that he died of asphyxiation is, is how so many other people in that same situation have died of asphyxiation. No, the knee of Derek Chauvin was not choking George Floyd. It was on a, a pressure point and his weight was pushed down on this pressure point in order to immobilize George Floyd. What it does in effect is distribute the weight down your back and force your chest into the concrete, therefore compressing your lungs. So the fact that George Floyd was saying, I can't breathe prior to getting taken to the ground or put on the ground or however he got on the ground does not matter. What matters was it was compounded by the pressure of Derek Chauvin on his neck. And the strain and the stress ended up killing him. Leading to what the third party coroner said was asphyxiation and a heart attack. Due to the strain and the stress of the predicament he was put in. What the state coroner is saying is that it was a fentanyl overdose and that nothing Derek Chauvin could have done could have prevented him from dying. Okay. Now, a lot of people say, yeah, but we saw him kneel on the neck of George Floyd for eight minutes and 46 seconds. We saw it. It was on video. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And Minneapolis has come out and stated that Derek Chauvin was just following protocol. And this, this technique is a technique that they are trained to use. So despite the fact that Derek Chauvin knew and disliked George Floyd, George Floyd knowing and disliking Derek Chauvin prior to this incident will not come into play because Derek Chauvin used a technique that is trained, that they are taught to use. So the problem being, once again, the training. Once again, they're not looking at all the circumstances around the country in which people have died in this specific position. And retraining their officers to use different techniques and methods for restraining victims. Or not victims, uh, suspects, I'm sorry. Um, therefore creating victims in many cases. But um, <laughs> in the long run, what's going to end up happening is Derek Chauvin is going to be found not guilty. He, it's going to be dismissed. No matter what you think about this man with his with with his record of complaints against him, was it seventeen complaints in eighteen years? I think it was something like that. Nineteen complaints in twenty years, something like that. No matter how brutal you find that video, I think anybody with any common sense can say, okay, yeah. That technique needs to be taken out of the arsenal. But at this point, that is part of their training. That is part of what they're taught to do. So Derek Chauvin, as I've said before, I'll say again, will not go to prison for this. Unless, of course, it's an OJ type of situation. And they just sacrifice them because they got to do something to get to keep to maintain control. 
That's the only way I foresee that taking place. As far as politically motivated killings, yeah, I think you're going to see more of them. And I think it's ridiculous. And I blame the state. The size of the state, the emphasis that's put on politics, on the size of the state, on the, on the, the power of the political system, on the, the, the impact politics has on daily life. And the media... And their propaganda has led us to this point. And I say us, like, very generally. It's led statists to this point. I'm kind of sitting back, kind of laughing about the whole thing. I find it a little entertaining. I don't really like... I, I feel bad for the families of people that have lost... Loved ones, I feel bad for the Kyle Rittenhouse kid for getting involved in that situation and possibly ruining his life. And it's all, all for the benefit of the state. This doesn't benefit any single individual person whatsoever. None of it. None of this benefits us. None of this benefits people. This benefits the state. You know, what do you think is going to happen after all this? All this LARPing and all this bullshit and this death and destruction, small businesses going out of business. People people have nothing to do with the death of George Floyd or, or the shooting of Jacob Blake being victimized constantly for having no role whatsoever. None. Not, not a role in the world. It is not their fucking fault. Burn down the police precincts, attack the cops, burn down the welfare offices, the courts. Leave your fucking grocer, local grocer alone so that the old lady that lives three doors down, who's 80 years old, who can barely get around, who's been shopping at the local grocer for 30 fucking years, doesn't have to try to figure out how to get groceries since the buses aren't running and there's nowhere nearby to get her fucking groceries. Because those are the people that are paying the fucking price. You're not helping anybody by doing all this bullshit out there LARPing. Like you're going to make a fucking difference. Like you have any fucking power at the end of this. It won't matter what's going to happen. Bigger police state motherfuckers. Bigger police state. Think about it. Oregon State Police have been deputized as federal officers now. Therefore, if you're arrested by the Oregon State Police on a traffic violation and you get arrested for possession of, of drugs or whatever, or on a warrant, you're going to federal prison. Federal prison. They are now feds. Good job. You're extending the police state. You're not helping anybody. You're making it worse for everyone. You're not solving any fucking problems. When the little old lady down the road is being interviewed and she's bawling down, she's fucking crying like a baby because she doesn't know how she's going to get groceries because you burned down the only store she has access to. You're not accomplishing anything good. You're a bunch of fucking douchebags. And then I read a story like I read today where Commander, quote unquote, Commander Red, running around with a flamethrower, rolls up into a fucking fetal position and cries like a baby when he's under arrest. I thought this was a revolution. Why are you revolting against business owners? You're revolting against buildings. Ultimately, because you sure as hell ain't fighting the people that are supposedly oppressing you. You roll in, you ball up into the fetal position when your enemies show up. Cower like a little bitch. 
Why don't you use your flamethrower? You're such a big, badass commander, Commander Red. You're a bunch of fucking twerps. You're a bunch of fucking pussies. And somebody's going to put y'all down. And it's not going to be pretty. Y'all keep fucking instigating more and more violence. And it's going to get really fucking ugly. And you're going to come out on the losing side of this. Anyway, sorry about that, man. I get really upset about that, man. Like, you're fucking victimizing people that did absolutely fucking nothing to you. Like, these fucking... That old lady... When I saw that video of that old lady crying... Because she couldn't get groceries. And the buses aren't running around, running anymore because they're all fucking terrified and fucking everything's shut down. You know, due to the pandemic and the looting and the rioting. Like, nothing's happening. Like, she can't get fucking groceries. What the fuck is that lady supposed to do? She's like 80 fucking years old. You know, that pisses me off, man. That really pisses me off. If that were my fucking grandma, I'd be fucking down there. I'd be causing all kinds of hell. Anyway, y'all know who I am. I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.